Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I am here with my, well, several cup of green tea this morning. I have my green tea and my handy dandy and little glittery thermos that I spent way too much effort getting from Starbucks for free. <laughs> but it does keep the tea nicely warm. Uh, today is Thursday, February 13th. And I am just leaving Ryder Coffee Commute Podcast today, heading back home. So the green tea I've been having on my warmer before I left. And then it's been sitting in the car waiting for me. Oh, you jerk. (laughs) Don't you love people who go like really, really slowly up to the light, keep slowing down, and then they blaze through the yellow and strand you. I always feel like they've done it kind of on purpose. I wasn't even tailgating. I was being good. Seriously. So, I think they're oblivious. Just oblivious. And they see the light turn and they're like, Oh, I must go. I must go. Hurry. No, I must hurry. No, I have incentive. (laughs) Um. So, I received in the mail yesterday... No, actually, my green tea is better today than uh, Iconics. I'm not sure why. I think they didn't give me enough in there. Both are Gen, Gen Mai Chai or Gen Mai Chai. I never am quite certain uh, if it's a hard or a soft G. I hear people saying it both ways. But, um, yeah, my Harney's tea is a little bit more flavorful than theirs was this morning. Go figure. Last time it was the reverse. I was starting to feel self-conscious about my tea acquisition choices. Thinking maybe I needed to uh, step up my game and figure out what kind of tea Iconic's using, but apparently not. So, um, oh yeah, uh, in the mail yesterday I got paper copies of The Fate of the Tala. They came from, had them published by Ingram Spark. I'm feeling, you know, I'm I've figured out that they are actually more cost-effective for me to buy print copies from them. So I got a carton of them so that I will have a supply for the website and for all the people... Excuse me. I'm getting the hiccups now. For all the people who pre-ordered, I will get those signed and in the mail probably today. Um, What are you guys doing? Jeez. <laughs> so somebody just nearly ran into the front of me because I, I, it's almost impossible to explain. I was coming up to the light in the left turn lane. Somebody started to turn right, but they were like sitting in the middle of the lane going the other way and decided to stop because the people on the cross street had their left turn signal and but they were blocking the lane so the person turning left turned into my lane and nearly ran straight into me that was really a charming little cluster and you guys get to know all about it (laughs) will she get home safely we shall find out um so this afternoon i have lunch with my friend terry beth who is on the staff of bubonicon one of the organizers we're going to meet at Chocolate Maven at 2. So I am hoping to uh, hit the post office when I go to do that. 
and get all those things in the mail. And then I will get the uh, print copies uploaded to the retailers. Although since it's gone through Ingram, they may have started to distribute already. Since, you know, now clearly if they came to me, they could go out to distributors as well. Since I did not make it an only me thing. So, get that done. Um, I got yesterday, got more work done on The Promised Queen. I was not terribly productive because I was kind of waiting to see if Jenny was going to have more comments on Chapter 1. And she didn't email me again till the end of the day. I, I should observe this pattern and know that she's just, it's going to come around 3.30 my time. Uh, and that's when I did get an email from her. But fortunately, I got an all caps. This is fantastic. And she was sending the teaser pages on to production. So much rejoicing, right? Yay. They are fantastic, you guys. Um. <laughs> well, of the land of... Well, we celebrate our small wins, right? And so now I feel um, released. I was able to really focus on... Uh, just drafting this morning and it was nice not to feel like um, someone would be looking over my shoulder and I can just let the story unfold now uh, and I have a couple things I want to remember to say about that uh, one is that uh, Leslie Penelope in our non-simultaneous conversation mentioned on her podcast this week you know, feeling crunched with turning in her book uh, and wanting to have that time with it being in front of beta readers and I think she's absolutely correct that there is a huge difference between turning in a book that you know is going to get in-depth editing and a book that might be passed on straight to production and that certainly has happened to me. I had a, an editor for three books where she um, made a couple of little line edits and <laughs> sent it to production. She actually even accepted her own changes and sent it to production so that when I got copy edits, I had to do a compare doc because a couple of her line edits were really stupid. I mean, they were wrong. They were wrong. Um, an example of this, and I think I blogged about this before, but since I'm uh, warming to my topic, um, one of the mistakes, and, and I had made a typo, right? I mean, you make typos. And I had written, um, my hands stun with splinters. S-T-U-N, and I, like I had forgot to, you know, left off the G. My hand stung from the splinters, stung with the splinters, and she changed it to stunned. My hand stunned. S-T-U-N-N-E-D. Stunned with splinters. I made that be my um, status in Slack for a while. Stunned with splinters. <laughs> what does that even mean? It means nothing. And she had, like, made that change <laughs> that ex accepted her own change and sent it to copy edits that way. So that's, that's a worst-case <laughs> scenario. 
Um, when you know that you have an editor who is going to be doing that, then yeah, you want that book as close to perfect as you can get it before you turn it in. Uh, I absolutely sympathize there. With um, Jenny Conway at St. Martin's, she is an excellent editor, a very insightful editor, and so I know, yes, that I can give her a book that is pretty hot off the press because I will have at least one developmental edit pass and probably a couple. Uh, and I know this from working with her before. So it does make a big difference. And I mentioned some of that too with working on The Fate of the Tala because I was self-publishing that. Um, I really did have to spend a lot of time going back and, and I did it on that particular book, I ended up doing it as I wrote it, uh, which I don't think is the best method, but each book is different, and each book demands a different process for whatever reason. With Fate of the Tala, I had every intention of writing all the way through to the end and then revising, and I kept not being able to. I repeatedly tried to get myself to just... You know, stop going back in editing, just write through and finish it. And though I normally work that way, it did not work that fate would not do that. And so it ended up being a gradual process of going back and layering. Maybe because there were so many plot threads, um, I had to keep kind of going back and adjust, adjusting the warp and weft, as it were and bringing forward all the threads because I couldn't tie them off at the end until I brought them all forward. And so there's our mixed metaphor for the day. The other thing I'm thinking about is I read an article yesterday about, and I'll link to it. I saved it to talk about in my presentation on, you know, being a Taoist and coping with an insane world or uh, insane industry as uh, from a Taoist perspective um, but I'll link to this article for the podcast too it's um, it, it's stuff that I knew before but you know how like you can encounter things that you've read before and they remind you of important um, principles and this particular article of course had a clickbait headline but it said um, how looking at the internet first thing in the morning is ruining your brain and it, it was it's very it's worth a read it's worth putting together you know and kind of about how um, the things that we do first thing in the morning set the tone for the rest of the day and entrain our brains to work in a particular way and if the first thing we do in the mornings is look at our phones and you know check our email and hop from thing to thing and look at social media and so forth that it it takes us into that short attention span mode and that being stimulated by social media and so forth mode which is you know like what it's designed to do and then it also, and this, I don't think this is in the article, but it made me think of other things I've read about 
you know, like, I don't know, practices of highly successful or efficient people, which, you know, I think you have to take those with a grain of salt. But one thing that I've seen crop up consistently is people talking about that they don't look at email until a couple of hours into their workday or don't look at their messages um, until a couple of hours into their workday because once you, they, at least they feel like, and I agree with, that once you look at email or message or so, so forth, it puts you in the position of responding to other people. And their philosophy is that they want to get a couple of hours of work in that is self-generated. That is what they want to be doing and thinking about rather than responding to other people's needs. And I think that that's a really important thing because you know, maybe it's a way of sort of creating that, that bubble of isolation that I talk about from time to time, you know, wanting, you know, where this, a space where you can think without the input of other people. So I tried that this morning. Um, I, I've gotten in the habit finally of not having my phone next to my bed. I keep, leave my phone in my office, charging overnight. Um, but I have gotten in the habit of I get up and you know, go look at my phone and see what messages have come in overnight and so forth and emails. And this morning I deliberately did not do that. I did not look at my phone. Instead, I, you know, did a little bit of reading and I worked out. This guy in the article, guy or gal, I'm not sure, um, person in the article talks about meditating first thing or reading first thing and all of that. Um, I did do some reading first thing and worked out and then went straight to writing. And I know I talked about going to this, um, I don't know, maybe it was in January when I was trying to finish Fate, I started doing that. And I want to make that be my continual habit. And I think it really does make a big difference. My brain was definitely in a different space. So I'm going to continue with that making sure that at least for the first couple of hours of my day, and I, I did get up early. I got up a little before five this morning because I wanted to be sure to have time to get some stuff done before I went to Ryder Coffee. And I think, yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be forever, but you know, a couple of hours, two to three hours before you respond to other things. Uh, and I don't know if it even matters if it's just the internet. It's, um, you know, looking at what you want to look at and what you want to pay attention to. And, and I think the responding to other people's needs, regardless of modality, is a critical part, too. And what's funny is I had shared this article with a friend of mine who was immediately triggered by it. It was kind of funny because I was just talking about me, you know, and saying I found that this was interesting. And my friend um, responded rather violently with a, you know, diatribe about how not everybody's privileged enough to get to do that. 
and especially if you live with another person. And I do think that, you know, I can see that, I can see the point there, you know, and, and certainly it's a, it's a choice and it's a privilege to, to do that. Um, but at the same time, I think, especially as creatives, one thing I end up talking with people so much in my other coaching is, is balancing your needs as a creative against the, the needs of people who want things from you. And it, there's nothing wrong with being connected to other people and being responsive to the needs of other people. But there also has to be a way to, to build a fence around that creative self and to uh, build a wall around that to set it aside and make that work be sacred. Make that work be free of the needs of others. It, you know, if only for a short space of time. So, I think that there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I think there's nothing wrong with other people asking it of us either to respect a certain amount of time when we are not imposing our needs on them. You know, and I'm not talking about emergencies, right? You know, I'm not talking about like if something, somebody's bleeding to death. But, um, you know, don't, don't tell me about what Trump did before, <laughs> before noon. Because <laughs> I just can't deal. You know, maybe that's fair. So, I, I feel good because I got a couple more hours. I got two hours worth of writing done this morning before I went to write her coffee. Uh, not a dazzling number of words, but I am increasing each day, feeling good about getting back to my 3,000 a day. Uh, I think I'm past like 6,000 words on the book. I've got the first two chapters pretty well done. So settling into the rhythm. Uh, it's being an interesting story to write so far. I'm enjoying that. So now I'm going to see if I can get another hour in before I meet my friend for lunch. I'm a social butterfly, aren't I? And so I'll just remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. And you can find other podcasts you will love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.